0: Good morning. Y'all look good. I just wanted to throw that out there by the day. Y'all look a lot better than my Tennessee Titans. All right. So <laughs> it's rough right now, y'all. It's rough. Hey, so my name is Justin Littlejohn. Um, I am a proud member of the Avenue Church, and I'm gonna be subbing in. I'm substitute teacher today for Pastor Dave and Pastor Tara, who are, I believe, in Jasper at Harvest Church this morning. Hey, real quick, before I talk about Pastor Dave a little bit, y'all go ahead and give him a hand. Make sure he hears, y'all. I was talking to Pastor Dave two weeks ago. We are huge Pastor Dave fans. Um, One of the things I was telling him, and I was telling my dad this as well, I grew up in in a very good church with very good pastors, okay? My pastor of my home church, one church my entire life growing up in Columbia, Tennessee, Um, Pastor Norman Jacobs, he's one of the greatest men to ever walk this planet, and I honor him this morning. But I told Pastor Dave, aside from Pastor um, Norman Jacobs, you are the first pastor that I've ever had that I consider to be my friend. And if you've ever got to spend any time with Pastor Dave outside, if you ever got to golf with him, he'll embarrass you because he's going to drive it 300 yards. I'm good for a good 160, 170, but hey, it is what it is. No, uh, Pastor Dave is legit. He's the, he's the truth. I've got to play basketball with him, got to golf with him, play football with him. Um, and that's one of the things I appreciate about Pastor Dave. And if y'all haven't seen that side of him, he's not only a spiritual uh, God and a spiritual role model, but he also knows how to enjoy life. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? This life we live is meant to be enjoyed. OK, Jesus said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly. When he says life there, he means the Zoe type of life. Okay, a life of passion, a life of belief. And we've been in a sermon series titled Miracles, okay? And I'm gonna get to finish that, and I'm extremely excited that Pastor Dave asked me to do it, okay? But before I get into it, I want to share a couple of things with you, okay? And this is gonna be it's gonna be kind of heavy to start, but I like transparency and I like honesty, okay? Because the past couple of weeks, I'm just gonna be real with you, I've been extremely troubled in my spirit. I had a three-hour phone call with my dad about two and a half weeks ago. I've been in the book of Acts nonstop, nonstop, weeks and weeks and weeks. And then Pastor Dave told me before we were going to kick off this miracle series that it was going to happen. And I'm reading through Acts. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, it's basically the story of the early church. So you're seeing things like thousands of people coming to Christ every day. You're seeing things like Peter walking and the shadow healing people. You're seeing the apostles walking this amazing power. And you're seeing the church multiply daily as it's mentioned in Acts. So I'm laying here and I'm pondering things, right? Because I have a strong desire to see people come to Christ, just like you guys, just like in this room. I ponder it all the time. I couldn't fake it if I wanted to all the time when I'm teaching kids in the classroom I think about people coming to Christ and unfortunately I actually let myself become a little frustrated and I told my dad I'm like dad I'm reading the book of Acts and let me just tell you where I'm at right now I said let me tell you where I'm at dad I'm at that place where I'm at I'm like put up or shut up Lord I need to start seeing some things manifest in my life in the supernatural or I need an explanation because every day I'm going and I'm teaching kids that are going through situations that I can't even speak on the mic, that you would be very surprised that kids experience these things. Especially if you're in education, you know what I'm talking about. Unspeakable things, okay? And I'm like, Lord, I'm in here, okay? And I refuse to sit here and exist knowing that kids are going through the things they're going through. And I told my kids, in the days and times you're living in, it's so much different than the times that America was when I graduated or when I was in high school. Not only are you going into a world where everything you hear when you turn on the news is saying the world's going to Hades in a handbasket, the economy's bad, right? All this stuff going on with Israel and Pakistan, can you imagine what this can do to a kid? Can you imagine what hearing nothing, nothing but bad news after bad news? Can you imagine the psychological toll that that can take on a kid? And I found myself laying in bed at night. Pastor David asked me, would you be willing to speak? I was like, well, um, I'll get back with you. I don't like just speaking to speak. I want to speak what the Lord's saying. And if I feel like the Lord's not saying anything, I ain't got nothing to say. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So I went to bed on Monday night and I woke up at 11. Okay, two hours of sleep. The Lord woke me up and he gave me this message. Because I believe he saw my frustration and he saw a pure heart that was crying out saying, Lord, we really need to move beyond talking about miracles. We need to really move beyond talking about the supernatural. And we need to move into a new dimension of actually creating the supernatural in our community and in our workplace. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And he began to pour this into me and I started crying. And it was like two at that time and I was going through the book of Acts. And I was crying and everything. And Jamie's like, babe, can you just keep it down just a little bit? And I'm like, I'm sorry. So then next thing you know what, I was already disrupting Jamie's sleep. So then I'm crying and I started texting Pastor Dave. Hey, Pastor Dave, I think the Lord gave me something. I'll preach it. But if you already got Brandon to preach it, I'll give him my notes. And then Brandon can preach it. Because I knew that it was something that the Lord wanted me get out there and because i don't care about credit and i don't care about any status that's why i wear sweatpants every sunday hello i don't care who puts the word out i care about the word hitting the hearts of the people so i have a challenging message that hopefully will expand your mind to the fact that you are capable of doing the supernatural every day in your workplace does everybody understand all right let's go so first things first Let's get to a little story. How many of y'all have little kids? Anybody in here have little kids? All right, so if your kids are not already there, let me tell you what to expect when they hit three and four years old. My son, Zephaniah, he's so much like me. He's just a lot better looking, okay? Well, he has a problem that we deal with, okay? It's called... When we're together as a family, I'm the only one that's watching TV-elitis. And what that means is he gets this close. This is my TV today, a.k.a. um, Ethan's laptop. He gets this close to the television screen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody's kids like this. So my son is also obsessed with the same things. So when I'm watching the Masters, I like golf. This is my son. He has this invisible swing, he's right here, he's got his invisible club, and he's swinging. He tries to do everything. I'm watching Tennessee Volunteers. I'm watching football. Here's my son. I was just watching the Kentucky game last night versus Tennessee, I'm like, son, daddy can't see. But he's so consumed, right? He's so consumed in what he's familiar with, okay? Go, dog, go, Paw Patrol. Don't make me start singing all the songs, okay? He's so familiar in what he's used to. His face is so far in the screen that he forgets what exists around him because the closer and closer he gets to the television, the less he can see from his full span of vision. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? So that's the thought that I want to introduce you to today before we get into our content. There are many people who who are so focused on their daily schedule, okay, on their daily um, program, right, that they don't see the world around them in the right perspective. Now, watch this. As his father, guess what I used to do when I was little? The exact same thing. And my dad would tell me, son, you're sitting too close to the television. Scoot back or you're going to mess up your vision. And I didn't listen And next thing you know, years later, I was wearing glasses, okay? So, I want to offer you the concept and the notion today is God is calling us to see bigger. And in order to see bigger, we got to take a couple of steps back from the television. We have to allow God to interrupt our scheduled broadcast. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? At times, many of us are so stuck in our scheduled program, we become familiar with that we don't realize what is actually going on and around us. And as a result, it limits our ability to see and can cause spiritual damage to our vision. Our master text for today is going to be Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. If you have your Bible, please turn there with me. And it says in verse 53, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. And when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? So Jesus is preaching. He's teaching. He's doing miracles. Now he's come to his hometown and they're starting to get suspicious. And it says in verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Is, this not, is his mother not called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all here with us? Where then did this man get all these things? Watch this. So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, Truly a prophet is not without honor except in his own home and his own house. Now, Look at the result. Because of that, he did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. Now, when I was really meditating on this, I'm like, oh, my goodness, Lord, I see what you're showing me. Because how many times do we go to work and we get so caught up in the television screen of teaching basketball practice, lesson plan submissions, whatever you do, that it becomes more of a practice and a familiarity than it does a mission. You see, there's an old saying that states familiarity breeds contempt. So when we allow ourselves to become familiar, we might get so used to the routine that we forget the purpose that God might have us there in the first place. And you see, when Jesus was trying to go to his hometown and be a blessing to the people that he grew up with and that he loved, they could only see this Much of Jesus, there was a small visual dimension in their understanding that wouldn't allow them to see that the son of God was from their hometown and was there to do amazing things. And as a result, it limited what Jesus could do. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And a lot of times people are frustrated. You're hearing these messages. You're hearing Pastor Jessica talk about the woman with the issue of blood. And you're like, well, that sounds great. But where is this in my life? And my question to you, before you get frustrated like I did, I'm talking to me too, is to give you the notion that you might just need a vision adjustment. And that's the purpose of this today. You see, we see the sun, we see the moon, and we see the stars. Any people that just like me, you like the sky, you like to look up at the sky, you like the sun, you like your, I'm fascinated with that. Call me a nerd if you want to. My wife says I'm a nerd all the time. It's okay. However, think about this. We see the sun. We see the moon. We see the stars so much that unless you're one of those um, weird nerds like me, you probably honestly don't give that much thought to it. Um, My mother-in-law was here a couple of weeks ago. We were talking to Pastor James after church about golf. And I'm like, well, I haven't golfed since July, right? And I already wasn't good, so I don't need to go three months without golfing. But there's a reason that I haven't been golfing. It's because it was a heat wave outside. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Months and months of nonstop heat. People are hitting me up. You want to go golfing? No way. Pastor Dave said, when we go and golfing? I said, I'll see you in November. Okay? Because the sun, right? The sun was keeping me from doing what I love doing. Now, watch this. I like to play something called Twilight. If you're trying to save some money, if you golf, you know what I'm talking about? That price gets cut in half, right? Unless y'all just swimming in the money like that. Okay, cool, (laughs) go on with your bad self. But I like to play me some Twilight sometime, so I get a little bit less on that price. Now, I noticed though, when I was pondering that, when I'm playing Twilight, all of a sudden, guess what's coming out? The moon. But when I'm trying to finish that game, before it gets dark i find now that i'm upset at the moon because now i need more light and the moon's coming out and now i can't see where the ball's going and it's probably hooking anyway but i can't see where i can't see where the ball's going so i find myself in a situation where i'm familiar with the sun and there's moments i love the sun and i'm familiar with the moon and the night sky but there's times The night sky doesn't do what I want, so the familiarity that I have with it makes it easy for me to lose a lack of appreciation for it based off my circumstance. Think about that for a second. We see them so much that it's easy for us to just write them off when it's not functioning how we want it to function, when it doesn't look like we want it to look, and we forget the fact that the sun produces a lot of the miracles. In our lives that we take for granted and that we become so familiar with. The ability for grass to to grow, the ability of the moon to control the tide of the ocean. We forget about those things, and that is the danger of familiarity. Through the lens of the Hubble telescope, we are able to find that the galaxy consists of numerous numerous stars. The universe consists of numerous, numerous galaxies. But how often do we consider the galaxies? And why? It's because we can't see them, because we can't physically see them with our eyes that they become an afterthought to our mind. Yet, through the Hubble telescope, through other telescopes that are invented by NASA that allow them to see that such galaxies exist now we see a spark in interest of things like space SpaceX wanting to go up into the outer realms of the heavens but why does it now spark interest when previously it did not spark interest because human tendency is to gravitate towards what we can't see and move away from what we can or what we can't so it's a whole lot easier to keep in the forefront of our minds what we see every day than it is what we can't see every day. Concerning our spiritual sight, many people live the same way. God moves throughout the world seeking who he can show himself mighty on the behalf of his people. But because we have become so preoccupied with what we can see, also known as what we're familiar with, we subconsciously neglect the supernatural that is around us. Think about that for a second. We can't see it, so our mind subconsciously writes it off. Galaxies exist, but we write it off because we don't see them like we see the sun, the moons, and the stars. This, fi- this familiarity limits our faith and our ability to see the miracles in our lives and in our community. So, today, we're going to push back towards that. We're going to expand our understanding. And I'm going to give you a message titled The Micros of Miracles. Bow your head with me and pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to speak with everybody that's in here today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you'll ready my words, Lord, that you'll give me the articulation to speak this message in a way that sticks, Lord, that it falls upon good ground and that it blossoms and brings forth a bountiful harvest into the life of your people. I thank you, Lord, that the ability of your saints to believe in the supernatural, Lord, and to see the good things that you are doing on this earth will be expanded like never before. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, I'm giving you a message titled The Micros of Miracles. And what you need to understand about a micro is it's simply this, a small particle. And because... Micros are small particles. Oftentimes, it's easy to overlook them, right? Sometimes we're looking for the big in-your-face picture. We're looking for the big billboard sign, right? That we overlook the small clues that are going to help you put together the picture of what exactly it is we're looking for. And I have four micros that I want to give you that at times I feel like we overlook or don't put enough weight or emphasis on in our lives that are robbing us from experience the the power of God in our life. And the first one is love. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. It says in verse 1, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Now, you're like, wait a second, Justin, we're talking about miracles here. What do you mean pursue love? Well, in a previous chapter, in chapter 13, Paul's talking about love and how the spiritual gifts operate from something called love. So a lot of times, y'all have heard the saying, putting the cor- um, the cart before the horse, a lot of times unknowingly we want the miracle so bad we want the supernatural so bad we've been coming we've been hearing from the word from pastor jessica from pastor dave for all the people that have talked about miracles but we're not understanding that there are some microscopic details right there are some microscopic details that we are missing and the first one is love and it's so easy to overlook sometimes because sometimes we're married, right? If you're married, raise your hand. If you're married, raise your hand. I'm talking to me too. There are so many times I just walk out the front door, right? And I go, love you, babe. Bye. And I'm like, there was no emphasis behind it. There was no feeling behind it. It was just a familiar statement. It was just a mundane thing that I have to say to be the good husband that I'm trying to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Guilty as charged. And our minds say, I said it, right? I said I love my wife. But was there anything behind that? Has it become something that's just empty? And if we practice such things, if we practice saying just frivolous words without any weight or emphasis or action behind them, then then are we really, really operating in love? My kids fight sometimes, I know y'all don't. My kids fight sometimes, they get into it, they fight over toys, they fight over TV, they fight over everything sometimes, okay? And what do I do, what does a good parent do? Go hug your sister, say you're sorry. What does the kid do when, they, when you say <laughs> Give them the little wrist pat. Yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Your kids ain't perfect. <laughs> we give them the little wrist pat. And we program ourselves, and it's funny sometimes, But in all reality, if we don't address it, we program ourselves and our minds create a quasi form of love that is not sincere. So now when we go in our workplaces, something that's been allowed to develop in us from an early age, something that's been allowed to develop in our relationships with our spouse now begins to spread in the other areas. But you have to understand. Yes, Jesus did tell the disciples, greater things than I did, you will do. But he also told those disciples, by this, all men will know if you are my disciples, if you have what? Do you see what I'm saying? That's why Paul went back after talking about the gifts operating through love. He said, let me just turn that back. If y'all were in the 90s, the DJs used to say, play that back, right? He said, let me just play that back for you. Pursue love. Let me remind you, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue and desire are two different things. When you pursue, you're racing after it. So if you're racing for love, if you're racing to get along, if you're racing to coexist in a healthy way in your marriage, in your relationships with your loved ones, in your relationships with your fellow employees, then guess what? The desire that you have to operate in the supernatural will be fueled in alignment with the Scripture. It's gonna be hard to see the super marriage, supernatural heal your marriage if you're not if both people are not committed to staying in love. It's gonna be hard to see the supernatural power of God in your workplace if people can't see the love of Jesus Christ inside of you. I'm talking to me, myself, I, and everyone in here. Because I'm asking questions, Lord. Why are we not seeing the book of Acts? And he said, Justin, it's because you're reading over things. As if, oh, I know that. I know the scripture on love. You're just reading over it because you've gotten so familiar. You've gotten so familiar with the Sunday morning routine that you forget the book of Acts happened outside of a building. But we're so good at the building part. We got that part right. We can show out in the building. But are we showing out in the community? This is the things that the Lord showed shown me. And when you're driven by love... When you're driven by compassion, it doesn't matter what obstacles are thrown in front of you. If you know church history, the Christians spent most of their time running for their lives, but they were compelled by this force called love that then combined with the desire of the Holy Spirit and it manifested in this way that they said this about the Christians in the book of Acts, the men that turned the world upside down have come to our building. And if we are truly about loving people at the Avenue, it should be all of our desire to hear that the people that turn New Caney upside down have shown up. The people that have turned New Caney upside down have showed up at Porter High School. They showed up at New Caney High School. They showed up at Walmart at Target. Hello. I can't say target too much because Jamie will start shouting and hollering. <laughs> All right. The next micro that we need to adjust our vision to see is compassion. So we got love and we got compassion. Now, when the Lord was telling me this, I'm like, wait a second. Is it love and compassion kind of the same thing? And he's like, no, no. Justin, slow down and let's really look at this. Okay. Okay. And I found this verse here in Matthew chapter 14, and it's actually a common thing. Okay, this was a common thing in the life of Jesus Christ. It says here in Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, and Jesus went out. And he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them. It didn't say love. He said he was moved with compassion for them. And after he was moved with the compassion, he healed their sick. You see, love is different com- from compassion. Love is agape, right? Eros, phileo, that's the brotherly love, right? But uh, compassion is, i look this definition up. Look at this, to suffer together. And if you look, Scripture confirms this because it said, like us, Jesus was tempted on all sides. He was tempted with everything. He suffered in the same way as us but without sinning so compassion means to suffer together so when you're reading Matthew 14 14 in the proper context it says he was moved to the point that he suffered with them and he healed their sick it's different from love you can have love for someone but not have the empathy you ca- Jesus not only loved them he imagined himself in their position. I can't say the neighborhood, but every day I drive by because I don't want the person identified. This this is really, I'll say it without getting emotional, but I'm pretty sure this gentleman has ALS. And his wife sits with him and he's in a wheelchair and he's, you know, they make it where you're sitting straight up and everything. And every day I drive by and that garage is open and he's just sitting out with the garage open, looking out, taking in the things that we take for sometimes, right? A pretty day because he probably le- has been told multiple times that his days are numbered. And there's times in me, and I'm just, I'm being transparent here, I'm like, I wanna pull my truck up in front of his house and be like, dude, can I, can I p- genuinely pr- pray for you and tell him that I believe that you can be healed. But I'm guilty to, sh- uh, to say this, and I'm not happy to say this, but I struggle with that. I'm being real, I told you I'm preaching to me and you, okay? And I'm, I, I, this was part of me being in tears when I was reading the book of Acts. The Lord was kind of showing me this. Like, and I'm like, um, Lord, increase my faith. like, Increase my faith. Increase my, my understanding of what I need to do to be able to walk in your power and the way you did it so that I don't have to see people suffering and feel so powerless. The worst thing I feel is to see people suffer and be powerless. You see Jesus, he got him he felt he felt their pain. He empathized with them. But he had a real understanding. He had a such an extreme level of faith that that compassion, okay, manifested in the form of healing. See, it's not enough to have compassion and pity. That's not that's not what we want. Oh man, that poor guy. He can't move and then we just keep driving along compassion and love mixed with faith which is where we're going next mixed with faith are what create the supernatural and don't get me wrong there's times where I've laid hands on people and they've been pregnant I had a dream my buddy Jordan he'll be here one day he watches my messages I woke up after a dream said hey your wife was pregnant in my dream you might want to have her get a pregnancy test same night he called me back and she was pregnant okay But at the same time, that's not enough. That's not enough, man. I'm hungry. I'm hungry for the supernatural. And we should be hungry for the supernatural because we all know somebody. We all know somebody that is suffering. We all know somebody that is suffering, whatever it is, cancer, depression. And we we, sitting there powerless is not the answer you have to pair that with faith and that's number 3 you have to see through the lens of faith hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 through 2 says now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen for by its elders for by it elders obtained a good testimony and in verse 3 it says watch this by faith we understand, remember that word understand because I'm coming back to it, that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. I want to read that one more time so that we just don't skate over that. Verse 3 says, by faith, think about it, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. We got to break that down. First things first, I want you to understand this. Faith is substance and faith is evidence. Substance, look this definition up, is the physical matter of which a person or thing consists which has tangible, solid presence. So when it says faith is the substance of things hoped for, it's talking about a tangible, solid presence. We're going to talk about that a little more in a minute. Now, evidence. It is the evidence of things unseen. How do you prove something that is unseen? You see, we have to fix our understanding of faith. You see, the purpose of evidence is to come to the conclusion as to the validity of an occurrence. That's why in a court of law, they don't just guess, right? They look at the preponderance of what? Evidence. Because it is the evidence that proves it. So you see, faith is the proof that the unseen exists. But our faith is made manifest by our works. That's why the Bible says faith without works is dead. Works are tangible. When you're coming in, the dream team is setting up these seats for us. That's tangible. So they have faith that this place is going to be packed out. But they don't just sit on their hands and say, this place is going to be packed out today. Because if not, all of you would be standing right now. You'd be so mad you wouldn't even be able to focus on what I'm preaching. The substance of their faith was their work that set this place up. And the work proved that their faith was genuine. So going back to that example, I can have empathy all I want for that man. But that's not faith. That's not enough. I have to be moved to the point where I get out of the truck, add the action to the compassion and the love, And mix that with faith. And that's what the Lord is beginning to show me. It's more than one thing. Remember, we talked about it in Galatians. Faith worketh through love. Everything is meant to be interwoven. You can't have one without the other. So all of us at some point have to look at the different angles we might be missing it to come to the conclusion Of what we need to apply. It's going to be different for you. It's going to be different for me. But all of these ingredients, all of these micros must come together in order for the supernatural to manifest in our lives. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Many times, I believe we fail to truly understand faith. Faith is substance, but it's not just substance. It's also evidence. And what you are willing to do is what proves your faith. Here I have a match box and a match. Now, I have knowledge. I know that if I strike, strike this match on the box, that it'll what? It'll light, right? I have that knowledge. However, is it the knowledge, is it the knowledge that if I strike this match against this box, that it's going to make it light? Or is it the action of me striking the box with the match that's going to make it light? A lot of Christians, we come to church every Sunday morning. We, okay, and we have the knowledge of a lot of things. That's the scariest part. We have the knowledge of a lot of things. However, what we struggle is actually taking the match and striking the box. So, the match just sits there, and we have the knowledge. We can talk about it. We can talk about the light. We can talk about what may, could be, what might be, what the Lord wants to do. But the Lord's already done everything. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. He's waiting on us to turn the light on. And I think many times we get stuck in familiarity and in knowledge And it blinds us to the fact we think we are doing something, but we're not striking the box enough. History tells us of a woman named Helen Keller. And at 19 months, most historians believe it was scarlet fever. But at 19 months, she got such a high fever that she lost her sight and her ability to hear. Now, years later, she would come across a woman, an educator, by the way, a woman by the name of Ann Sullivan. Now, there was something unique about Ann Sullivan. We talked about compassion and empathy. Ann Sullivan, too, was also majority blind. And at age 20, this woman, Ann Sullivan, became Helen Keller's teacher. She would teach Helen Keller Braille she would teach her how to communicate. She would teach her sign language. And if you think about some of the things, I want, like, it's easy to look over this story, but if you really think about it, can you imagine being blind and deaf from the age of 19, but yet be able to speak? Because after working with Ann Sullivan, Helen Ketter, Keller would mutter her first words, which were, wah-wah. Wawa, and if you've ever seen the video, it's an amazing video, black and white video. She's holding her hand. She turns on the water fountain, and she puts her hand under it, and she's explaining to her what it is. He's like, Wawa, Wawa. She can't see it. She can't hear it. it. It still blows my mind. Think about it. She can't see it. She can't hear it. But through touch and experience. But through touch and experience, she becomes familiar and encounters the unseen. We walk in the, wa- in the kitchen in our homes all the time. We flip on the water. We flip on the water. It comes on. It's normal to us. We put our cup under. I don't know. You might put the ice in first. I put the ice in last. I'm weird. We put our cup under there. We get our water and we just keep moving. It's normal to us. That's not a big deal. Like, so what? Big deal. The water came on when I flipped the faucet up. I touch the water. I get in the shower every day. But when you're deaf and blind, it's a phenomenon. And she encountered a phenomenon and was able to speak and communicate in a completely different way over something she could never see. So when we go back, to what I was stating earlier about the galaxies, how we become so familiar with what we can see that our mind subconsciously rejects what we don't see, can you now see the correlation? How can a woman that is blind and deaf make a connection that people who can see take for granted? Think about that for a second. It's because we have the, the, the disease of familiarity. And that's what we have to eliminate in our lives. You see, due to familiarity of life, we walk in the kitchen, we turn on the faucet, we say, hey, bye, honey, love you, don't give any thought to it. But to many other people who have never felt love, who can't see, who can't hear, all those things that we take for granted at times are a phenomenon. Many people can see, but live life as though they are blind and deaf. And Helen Keller knew this, and this is why she said this. The only thing that is worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. I'm gonna say that again. This is a blind and deaf person teaching us how to hear and how to see. She said the only thing that is worse than being blind is having sight with no vision. And I believe it's not like we just purpose this to happen. It's just a slight adjustment of vision. A little zoom in on the microscope of these four things. Love, compassion, faith, and finally, understanding. You see, if we are going to see miracles in our lives, we have to return to that childlike faith, which actions project the notion that we truly believe that all things are possible. And in order to do that, you have to get understanding. Proverbs 4, 7 says, with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. For you to really have conviction about what you're doing, you have to do it with understanding. And I think a lot of times we mean well, we wanna love people, we wanna have compassion, we wanna have faith, but we're not quite sure of what it really means. So we'd rather than asking for help, and going a small group and getting teaching, it's so much easier to pretend. But pretending is not going to manifest the supernatural in our lives. We have to begin to inquire and say, Lord, help me see. And it's a process. It's not an overnight thing. It's not something to go home and beat yourself up about. It's to create a situational awareness to the things that you might be on your knees at night crying for. That God says, if you just sit down in this chair and let me adjust your vision a little bit so that you can see the smaller details that we overlook at times because our face is so much in the screen of our own program. Jesus just wants us to sit down for a little bit. When you go to the ophthalmologist, they have you sit down, right? And then they start going, how does this look? How does this look, right? They go through a couple of lenses. Some of y'all got perfect 20-20 vision. I'm not talking to you right now, you can check out. But they have you sit there and they adjust your vision and it's a process until they finally get you to clarity, to where you can see those signs on the road to where you can drive and navigate effectively on the road. Jesus had a moment like that with Nicodemus. He was describing the salvation experience to a man that was a ruler of the Pharisees. He was a ruling Pharisee, top notch Pharisee. And Jesus said this to him when he was describing salvation. Because Nicodemus had a ton of questions. He said, you are the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand simple things. Simple things. And we can't get so caught up in what we're familiar with because it's always worked. And it's we've always done it, right? The Pharisees had a way that they had always done it. And it always worked. And this is our tradition. And now this man named Jesus is coming to interrupt your scheduled broadcast. And he's saying, you should have knew I was coming. This is elementary stuff. You're the teacher of Israel. You are the ones that are supposed to be paving the way for the people to understand that the Son of God is coming to the earth to set people free. But I have to give you the understanding of the simple things. Other Pharisees would also attack Jesus due to their lack of understanding. See, Nicodemus was seeking, and he he ended up getting it right. But moments before the death of Jesus, a short time before his death, okay? In Luke chapter 19, it tells us the story of um, Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And everybody's like, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're talking about all these great miracles that Jesus has done. They're talking about all the supernatural things that he's done. And the Pharisees began to criticize the disciples. And they said, be quiet. Tell your people to be quiet. And as Jesus drew near the city, it says in verse ni- uh, chapter 19, verse 41, that he began to weep. And he said, if you would known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. You see, the Pharisees were stuck in their traditions and in their ways. And Jesus was trying to change that so they could see that they were in the presence of a walking miracle. And he said, For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Watch this, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our responsibility as believers, to begin to recognize when the Lord wants to move and when he wants to operate in our lives. We can't get so stuck like the Pharisees, okay? Like, like Justin Littlejohn, like my son, we can't get so stuck in the television of our daily lives. We can't get so stuck in our scheduled programming that we miss the day of visitation of Christ. The supernatural is all around you just as visible if not more visible than the sun and the moon and the stars but we have to begin to apply love compassion faith and understanding we have to begin to look harder at those things because when those things are visible in our lives the supernatural and the power of God is going to be visible in your workplace in your community in your home. But it all starts with those things. In education, and I'm going to close with this, in education, we taught, we are taught to make our lesson plans and construct our lesson plans with Bloom's Taxonomy. Now, if there are any teachers in here, you're probably sick of Bloom's Taxonomy. But, there's a lot of truth to this. Bloom's Taxonomy is a hierarchy for learning. And as disciples, disciple means student. We need to understand that the ultimate goal, okay, that the ultimate goal of a believer is to mirror our Father. And our Father is a creator. But watch this. It starts from the bottom. First things first, remember. That's the first step. You have to recall what the scripture states. And when you're able to remember and recall what the scripture states, you get understanding, which is what Proverbs 4, 7 was telling us. With all their getting, you get the getting, then you get the understanding. And when you get the understanding, you can begin to apply it to your life. And when you begin to apply it, you can analyze. And that's when you begin to have people that are leaning on you and you start start discipling other people from your experiences, from your testimonies, from your successes, and from your stories. And when you get to the point where you can evaluate and you get so uh, to the point where you understand it and you can teach it, you evaluate it, you can make a decision to stand on what you believe. Like I'm not just thinking the supernatural exists. I can tell you from experience that I know it exists. I can stand in front of everyone and justify my position. You will not make a fool of me because I've experienced it. And finally, we get to the ultimate goal. You see, our Father was a creator of both the unseen and the seen. And the highest level that our students can function in is the ability to create or produce new or original work. And Jesus says this, you will know them by their what? Fruit. He's expecting us To produce the purpose of the remembering, the purpose of the understanding, the purpose of the application, the analysis, the evaluation is to bring you to the ability to produce the fruits of the Spirit. And it is the fruits of the Spirit that are in our lives, in our everyday lives, in our homes and in our workplace that are going to unlock miracles and the supernatural in your life. Do you understand what I'm saying today? And it starts with a simple process of sitting on that chair. Where's your your spot you communicate with God? Sitting there and letting Him adjust your vision. The highest level God wants us to go to is the ability to create. So, how do we create a supernatural atmosphere? Through love compassion, faith, and understanding. Bow your head with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your words that were spoken today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that that word, Lord, resonates in your people and that you begin to expand their mind, the people that have given up because they they don't feel joy, they don't feel love, they don't feel hope. Maybe they have a diagnosis and it doesn't feel like there's any good expected ending Lord maybe they're at work and they're miserable Lord I thank you Lord that you see everything Lord and that you're restoring a new sense of hope that you're restoring a new sense of belief and I thank you Lord that from this day on Lord they'll walk and recognize The micros of love, compassion, faith, and understanding. If you don't know the Lord, I want to give you this opportunity at this time to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I thank you for your word that says, if I confess and believe that Christ rose from the dead, then I will be saved. I renounce sin. And I turn to you. From this day on, I will walk in love. I will walk in compassion. I will walk in faith. And I will walk in understanding. And I will see the supernatural. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, clap your hands and thank God for everything that he's doing.